welcome to the Redeemer Students Podcast. My name is JT Stead and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church. And our student ministries exist to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Our whole goal is to come alongside parents and helping their kids follow Jesus Christ. And so what you're about to listen to is a sermon that was preached on our Wednesday night gathering from 6.30 to 8.30. And as you listen, I pray that you are encouraged and that you would be conformed more and more to the image of Jesus Christ as we behold Him in His glory. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Well, I'm glad that you guys are all here tonight and that we just get to be together and hear from God's Word. And you guys probably all know my name, but I'm Daniel Eckberg. I'm the intern. He already introduced me. I've got a question, though, to start it off. So can anybody tell me, it's a really hard question, don't look at the screen behind me, what are we studying right now together as Dean and I? Good question. The attributes of God. You're a smart kid, I can tell. So can anybody tell me what the first sermon was about in this series? Trinity. The Trinity. The Trinity. Yeah, God is, we believe that there is only one God who deserves all glory, but he's three persons. Can anybody tell me what Gabe preached on the next week? Jocelyn. The infinity. The infinity of God, which means that God is so great that we can't comprehend him, fathom him with our minds, and we can't contain him in anything, and we can't, even our praises fall short. Nehemiah, I think, 9 says, it says, blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. The word for that is ineffable. Our words can't describe him. What did Scott preach on the next week? Isaiah. Eternity. Eternity. Yeah, God has no beginning and no end. In fact, he's not even inside time. He's above it. So, and then of course, what do we talk about at Rooted? The holiness of God. God is distinct, set apart from anything. He is pure and holy. So, yeah, so that's what we're studying. We're studying the attributes of God. We're studying who our God is. But why? Why are we studying? And I'll answer that one. It's because we want to see God exalted, God in first place in all our hearts. So first we want to teach your minds, head, heart, hands. We want to teach your minds about who God is, about how great he is above all things, that there's no one like him. Then your, your hearts, we want you, as you believe in that, to say, then, then no one else deserves my love like him. No one else deserves my affection like him. And then, with your hands, to say, if he's so great, I want to obey him. I want to do things that will honor him in all my life. My school, my work, if I, even if I'm just helping out at the house. So we want you, in your head, heart, and hands, to put God first. To exalt him. That's why we're doing this whole series. So you can see how great God is. And live your life like that's true. So, tonight we're going to be talking about another aspect of who God is, and that's called immutability. And before we start, I'm just going to pray and ask for God's help. Father, we are weak, but you are strong, and I am very weak. In many ways, I'm a sinner, and my voice isn't strong, but I believe that you want to exalt your name tonight. I believe that you want to change the leaders, the students. You want to change me through your word tonight. So do that. Give us understanding. Give us love. Give us hearts to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So, God's immutability. Now, that's a big word. We've got a bunch of big words in this series. Do you guys know, there's a word in that. So, immutability, that's how I hear mutate. Or maybe you think of the word like mutant ninja turtles. And of course, I've never, I've never watched anything involving the ninja turtles. So, I might be totally wrong. But it makes me think that there was once normal turtles. And then they mutated and became ninja turtles. Now, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, guys, but <laughs> basically, they changed. Maybe they changed for the better in that case, but when we say that God's immutable, we're saying that he cannot change either for the better or worse. He can't change to be better because he's already the best. He's already infinitely good. So if he were to become better, that'd mean that he was not already who he is, God. And he can't change for the worse because then he'd cease to be God. So when we say he's immutable, he can't become worse, he can't become better because he's infinitely great, like Gabe said. So, it doesn't mean that, like, God can't move, like, he's frozen or static. It means that he just doesn't change, he's consistent with himself. So, God is immutable. That's what we're going to study tonight, and I want you to see three ways in which God is immutable. In his being, in his purposes, and in his character. God is immutable in his being, and in his purposes, and in his character. And the first text we're going to be going to, to explain this, is Psalm 102, 25 and 27. And why don't you all go there? So the word being, it's like when we said, talked about the Trinity, we said that there's one God, three persons, or is one being, one essence, one nature, three persons. So the word being just means his existence, his position as the creator as God. And so I'm going to try to show you that as God, he does not change in his being. Are you all there? Getting there? Psalm 102, 25, and 27. <laughs> In this psalm, there's David, or whoever, actually, I don't know, it's not David, actually. It's during the Babylonian exile, probably. But this guy is afflicted. He's suffering. And so he's crying out to God for help. And so what truth does he lean on? When he's in this position, when he sees, everything seems to be changing around him. He's in Babylon, not in Israel. He ends with this truth. Psalm 102, 25 and 27. It says, talking to God of old, means like in the beginning, you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, but you will change them like a robe and they will pass away but you are the same, and your years will have no end. Basically, what these verses are doing is they're comparing God to the things that he's made. Have you guys ever woken up and there was no ground underneath you? Yes? Yes? That's interesting. (laughs) Have you ever woken up and gone outside and looked up and there was no sky anymore? It was just gone? That never happens because... The ground beneath us just doesn't change. It's been there for thousands and thousands of years. The sky above, it doesn't change. But he's coming here and he's saying, God, there was once a time when they were not there, but you were still there. And then you made them. And although they seem like they never change, one day they'll perish. They'll pass away. And he says, like a garment. So think about it. Like I wake up in the morning, I put on a shirt at the end of the day. I take it off. I mean, if I'm a middle school boy, boy, I don't do that because I like to wear my shirts for as many days at a time. But, <laughs> but, yeah, 
But he's, he's comparing he's comparing the ground, the, the earth below, the skies above to a shirt. You put it on in the morning, you roll it up and throw it in your laundry basket at night. It's like, that's, that doesn't seem like how I understand the earth to be. But he's just comparing it to how God is. In comparison to God, the earth and heavens are like a shirt that you put on and you take off and throw it in a laundry basket. God doesn't change. He says, you are the same and your years will have no end. He's the creator. He made them. He does not change. Creative things do change. Um, so I want to reflect then on his immutable being. That means that as the triune God, we talked about these three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they all, the three persons all share in one immutable. Can anybody tell me what immutable means? Immutable? Unable to change. Yes, he does not change. Unchangeable, immutable, they're synonyms. They all share in one immutable essence. They're godless. They're all the unchanging God. James 1.17 says that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And Hebrews, and so it says, because God is, the Father's God, he's immutable. And Hebrews 13.7 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because the Holy Spirit is God, he's also immutable. So, yeah, when we say that God is immutable, we're saying that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all equally immutable. They do not change. Even when Jesus came down and took on flesh, he didn't change. He was still God. And then it, we can apply it to his attributes too. His, his attributes are kind of how we as humans see God's being. And that means that his love doesn't change. That means that his justice, it doesn't change. Sometimes people can think, well, God will not be just anymore because I can do all these sinful things and I'm getting away with it. But that's just God, because God is choosing to be merciful. But one day, he will judge the earth. And everyone will be called to account. His judge, justice never changes. So you can apply that to all God's attributes. God, they don't change. He's always the same. And then you can also think of it like, God is the creator. He's the greatest of all time. He's the goat. You know, there's, there's athletes that they'll get great. Then they'll, you know, they'll get old. And then they'll, you know, break their bodies apart. Like if you're a football player. And then they'll eventually die. And they'll no longer be great. There's many beautiful people or attractive people who have been famous for their beauty. Then eventually they get old and wrinkled. And <laughs> nobody really thinks they're that special anymore. And that's just true of anything that's created. It might be great for a time. But after a while it will fade away. But God's not like that. He will always be the greatest of all time. He will never diminish in his greatness. And he's never had to get better because he's always been the best. So when we say that God is mutable, we're saying he's immutable in his being. But also, point two, he's also immutable in his purposes, which means his plan. So go to Isaiah 46, 9 through 11. Yeah. His purposes refers to... His plan. When he's what he's before he does anything, he makes a plan to do it. Just like when we're like, I'm gonna, I want to have a fun day today. I'm gonna plan all the things I'm gonna do. God made a plan for the whole creation and for all of redemption and salvation for us. And his plans don't change because he's the unchanging God. Okay, I'm there, so I'm gonna read. It's about God's purposes, His plan. For I am God, and there is no other. 
I am God and there is none like me. So he's making the statement, and I was going to explain why that's true, that there's none like him. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east. He's talking about Cyrus there. The man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. What you get, the impression you get from there is that whenever God plans to do something, it's going to happen. And whenever we talk about our plans, we always say, well, I hope there's not a change of plans. Because the fact is, we don't control everything. Sometimes bad weather might come, so we can't do what we want to do. Sometimes we might get injured, or someone gets sick, or whatever. Plans change for us. That's why James 4 says, don't be making your plans of arrogance. Acknowledge, it's only going to happen if the Lord wills. So, we make plans, and we can't make them that far out, because we're, we're just not sure whether it's going to happen. But God, he says, at the beginning of time, before the world even existed... I can say what's going to happen 6,000 years from now with certainty. Because he controls everything. There's nothing outside of his control. And it makes me think of my brother. He'll sometimes, sorry about the sound, it's kind of weird. My brother will sometimes go into a volleyball game. He's a, you guys may have seen him. He's like six foot seven, super curly, blonde hair. It's just like a white boy afro on his head. But he's a good volleyball player. And he's on one of the best volleyball teams in Rockford area. That's high school volleyball teams. And sometimes they'll go into a game and they're like, they're like we're going to totally beat this other team. We, we're much better than them, just statistically. Then they'll go in and they'll get beaten. And, it's, and he'll, afterwards he'll say, it's because we we're not consistent. We're good most of the time, but not all the time. And so they can say, I'm going to beat them. But in the end, they're not strong enough to do it consistently. But God's not like that. When he says, I'm going to save them, he's going to do it because he's strong enough. When he says, I'm going to create the world, or I'm going to cause this to happen, he's able to cause it to happen because he's strong enough. What he purposes, what he declares, is going to happen. And that's a sweet comfort. Because Romans 8.28 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. Ephesians 1 talks about the purposes God has for us. To one, and Romans 8 is talking about the same thing, that one day we're going to be with God in heaven. We believe in him, who love him. So God's purpose for you, if you believe in Jesus, is that he'll be with you. And can anything stop his purpose? No? Can anything stop his purpose? No. No. That's right. So that's a comfort to us. God is unchangeable in his purposes. And finally, God is unchangeable. He's immutable in his character. And for this, we're going to go to Hosea 11, 7 through 9. I love this passage. So, Hosea 11, 7 through 9. And I want to explain briefly the word covenant. It's all over the Bible. And here's another kind of big word for you, but it's very important. It's all over the Bible. And it basically talks about a relationship that's built on promises. A relationship that also has legal terms. So in it, someone will say, I'm going to provide for you, I'm going to protect you, I'm going to give you these things. And in response, you need to obey me. Like the Ten Commandments is part of the stipulations of the covenant. Another example of a covenant is marriage. Have you guys ever been to a wedding? Raise your hands if you've been to a wedding. So in the marriage vows, you can lower your hands. In the marriage vows, they'll say, you know, I'm going to love you for better or for worse. 
in sickness and in health, for rich or for poor. They're basically saying, it doesn't matter how bad things get. I'm going to continue to love you. It's saying, I will die before I desert you. And the Bible says that God's made a covenant with us. It's like we're his wife. <laughs> Which is kind of weird to think about if you're a guy, but it's okay. The Lord. <laughs> but basically, God's saying, I'll die before I desert you. And that's good, because we sin a lot. We make a lot of mistakes. And God says, I will not desert you. So I'm going to read Hosea 11.7. And then... I won't explain. It says, my people... Okay, I guess I should explain the context of, of Hosea. He's talking to the people of Israel. He's telling them... You, and he has them do this little skit where Hosea, this prophet, goes and gets a wife who's a really bad woman. And she, he marries her, but then she runs away from him after all these other guys. But then he goes back and he says, I love you still. I want you to be my wife. And so even though she's so sinful and faithless... He says, come back to me. And God says, that's my relationship with you, Israel. You continue to run after your false gods. You continue to run after your sins and disobey me, but I still love you. And so here, he's telling them more about how they've been unfaithful, how they've been changeable. He says, my people are bent on turning away from me, and though they call out to the Most High, he shall not raise them up at all. Think about that. When something's bent, like an arrow... It's not going to hit the target. It's going to go in the wrong direction. And that's, that's the problem with all our hearts. The Bible says we have a sinful nature. We're bent. So that though we're made to glorify God, to love Him, to enjoy Him, we go in the wrong direction. We go after our sins, our idols. And so we turn away from Him. Every time He gives a command, but we turn away from Him. And think about how many times we, we turn away from God and dishonor Him. It can be... You know, and just in our relation to God, we'll, we'll go to summer camp maybe, and we'll say, God, I'm, I want to read my Bible more. I want to pray more. I want to be a better person. I don't want to do these sins anymore. I hate these sins. I know you hate them, and I'm not going to do it anymore. So we, it's like, this is my purpose. But then afterwards, we fail. We fall back into that sin. We don't read our Bible, and we know we should, or like we said we would. Or... Maybe there will be sometimes when we love God so much and we just feel affection in our hearts for Him. And we, we love to have fellowship with Him in the church. But other times, our, I just have this so much where I'll just feel like depressed. And I'm like, God, I don't love you like I should. I, I don't enjoy you like I should. I don't, I don't glorify you like I should. We change. Sometimes loving God, sometimes not really caring about Him. And we change in relation to his commands. He says to honor our father and mother. And we might sometimes do it, but sometimes we don't. We, ch we change. He says not to lie. And sometimes we say, I'm going to tell the truth, but other times we don't. And that's our problem, is that we're bent so that we're continually changing. And maybe your relationship with your sisters or brothers or friends, they'll, they'll be maybe annoying. I know I had this happen to me a lot. They'll be annoying you, and you'll be like, I'm going to be patient. I'm not going to blow up. But after a while, they just keep doing it, and you, you just blow up on them. You change. And that's sin. And there's countless examples. We might promise something to a friend or someone, but then we don't do it. We're sinners because we change. We change in relation to God. We change in relation to others, not loving them like we should. So... 
we're bent. We're bent on turning away from him. And the problem is that when we sin, we deserve to die. We deserve judgment. That's what he says. And though they call out to the Most High, he shall not raise them up at all. They're saying, deliver us. He says, you've sinned. I have to punish you. But the amazing thing is, in verse 8, he's like, but I, I just, I'll read it. He says, how can I give you up, O Ephraim, which is another way of saying Israel. How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? And those were cities that were near Sodom and Gomorrah when they got destroyed, and they were also destroyed. He's saying, I can't treat you like them because you're my covenant people. You're my wife, like Gomer was to Hosea. Though you're bent on turning away from you, me, I can't give you up to destruction. He says, even when I just think about that, my heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man. The Holy One in your midst, I will not come in wrath. So God's saying, though you guys are, even when you're sinning against him, when you're continually changing, he says, my immediate response is not to say I hate you, get away from me. My compassion, my heart grows warm and tender. I want you to come back to me. I love you. Because he doesn't change. It's just like what I said before. He says, I'm God and not a man. When people annoy us, we blow up. When we provoke God to anger, if we're his covenant people, we believe in him. He says, I'm God and not a man. So I'm going to continue to love you, continue to be faithful to you. So... That's a great comfort to us because we're continually changing. And I wasn't going to use this analogy, but then Josh Erickson handed me this little rose, which is fading. So, yeah, he put it in my ear like this. And I was like, then JT saw it and he said, take that out of your ear. <laughs> Anyways, so, you know how people, when they're like, I wonder if this person likes me. And to find out, they'll go, he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. And sometimes we'll do that with God. It's like every time we say, every time we do something good, we say, he loves me. I did something good. No, I didn't read my Bible. He loves me not. And every time we sin, I sinned again. I made a mistake. I didn't, I wasn't kind to my brother and sister. He loves me not. Or I went to church. I was kind of a good person, so he loves me. And it's, it's just, we're always changing. And we think that God loves us based on how well we obey him. Sorry about this. How well we obey him and the good things we do. But a better thing to do is to throw aside that rose of what we do for God and to say, to look at the cross. And we can just look at what Jesus did on there. He died for our sins. And we can say, I sinned, but he loves me. I've made many mistakes, but he still loves me. I failed, but he loves me. And he proved that to me by dying on the cross. What's better? That little rose or a love letter from Jesus. We have the Bible. And he says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing water with the word. Filthy sinners that we are, he loves us and he showed it to us on the cross. So maybe we've had friends who once seemed to love us and now they don't. Maybe we've even had our parents don't love us like they used to, it seems like. I don't know where all you guys come from, so I know that could be true of some of you. But you know what? When friends forsake you, Jesus is not. 
And when your father and mother forsake you, Psalm 27 says, the Lord will take you in. He loves you. And so there's some things I skipped over before, but I guess we'll just leave that for now. I want you guys, if you're living in sin and you're not changing, actually the word repentance, which is in Greek, it's metanoia. It means to change your mind about sin, about what you once believed, what you once believed. So if you're still living in sin, you haven't received the love of Jesus that he offers to you. Change your mind about that. Stop, stop turning from God and start turning to him. Malachi 3, 6-7 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. You guys keep sinning, but because I don't change, for now you're not consumed. And then he goes on, he says, From the days of your fathers, which you can just say, from the day you were born, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. From the days you were born, if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ and repented already, you have been turning away from God. And so turn to him. Believe in him. And even now, like Martin Luther, he said about the Christian life, all of life is repentance. God doesn't make mistakes, so he doesn't have to repent. Even though sometimes the Bible uses that language could, to try to help us communicate something about evil sins. But we do make mistakes, and we do sin and fail. So we need to turn always, continually, back to God. And he says, if you return to me, I'll return to you. My love's always offered to you, so if you come, it's there. And I just want to close with this really sweet hymn that kind of captures what I've been saying. It's about how peace with God doesn't change, how his love for us doesn't change, even when ours changes a lot for him. It says, I hear the words of love, I gaze upon the blood, I see the mighty sacrifice, and I have peace with God. Tis everlasting peace, sure as Jehovah's name, tis stable as his steadfast throne, forevermore the same. We were once God's enemies, when we look at the cross Jesus, where Jesus died for us and believe in him, we have peace with God that's everlasting. The clouds may come and go, the storms may sweep my sky, this blood-sealed friendship changes not, the cross is ever nigh. My love is oft times low, my joy still ebbs and flows. But peace with him remains the same, saying, no change Jehovah knows. I change, he changes not. The Christ can never die. His love, not mine, the resting place. His truth, not mine, the tie. Our God doesn't change. And he offers forgiveness. But you're a saint or still living in your sin. He offers it to you. And you just receive it. And know that no matter how much you change, he does not change in his love.